0: Bye. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Welcome to the Snap No Tab again, and Joe is back in town. See, when Joe leaves town, bad things seem to happen. Like when Martin leaves the country, like the world falls apart, like America goes under. So we've got to keep Martin from leaving the country, and we've got to stop Joe from all this traveling, man. He's got to stop.
2: So well, he's my, back. My, <laughs> huh? Like I say, my parole officer is working on that, so. Yeah, well, ho-
1: house arrest, there you go. <laughs> Uh, we we ought to get my buddy Dan Nadolsky. He's retired from the Cook County Sheriff's Department, but he did the electronic monitoring. Uh, he was one of the big shots with that, so he could he could get a monitor for you probably. He's retired now though, but no, it's um we're in the midst of a storm here while we're while we're filming this, so my power has already gone out once, and it may go out again. So if my power goes, if you don't see me, which is good news, I'm sure for a lot of you. Um, but it's because of the power. It's not because I finally had enough of Joe. But anyway, yeah, welcome, Joe. Joe's got a special guest that I'll introduce in a little while. But Joe, tell us again about this travel that you did.
2: Well, we're visiting my wife's family out in California, and so uh, it was a great trip. Um, got to the Monterey Bay Aquarium, awesome place, a lot of fun there. I posted some pictures online for that. Uh, we went to a couple national parks. Went to Sequoia National Park. And uh, King's Canyon, which are all very awesome. Um, Yeah, just had wonderful times there. Uh, I mean, California is just amazing as far as the natural wonders there, uh, you know, and and things to see. So I can't recommend it enough. I know previously I've been to um, uh, Yosemite National Park, the valley there, which is just stunning and amazing. But yeah, uh, definitely everybody should be on their bucket list going out there and seeing the National Park. And actually, our guest, Ben, who I will introduce in a minute here, he's from the West Coast too. So he's probably got a lot of cool stuff to talk about from where he's at. But yeah, uh, great trip. Um, happy to be back, uh, back in the saddle. You know, you get homesick after a couple of weeks, but uh, California is a place to be, man. It's, a, it's a, a amazing place. So I'm always happy to go visit family out there. So how's your class couple of weeks how did the seminar go?
1: Uh yeah, it went, it went fine. Um you know, there are a great bunch of people. Oh yeah, so let me talk about the seminar. I don't have eh, let me see here. I let me let me look on the calendar cuz I always give the wrong date. Now this is important. So we're August. Let me figure out how to do this on my I don't know how to do this on my phone. On my is it the number.
2: third uh what, Sunday in September? Eight,
1: one, two. So it's September 18th, mm-hmm. S- Sunday. But now there's been a change. We had I thought a year contract to coach out of that college. But the guy that set it up is retiring at the end of the month. So um uh let me think I'm I'm not I'm not thinking too clearly today. What, what uh uh uh, Chuck May, who's handling this now, he's still going to try to pull that off, but it doesn't matter because we're you we're going to use the um, the Krav Maga school. So I did the seminar last week at the Krav School, okay, um, which is fine with me because they have actual equipment such as pads and weapons, you know, so I can teach the real shit uh, coming up, which I plan on doing the first of the year really getting in all the, all the nastiness. Um, right now, none of that's no people who think that they can use all these dirty tricks against a train fighter. You're going to fail because you don't know the fundamentals. So you have to understand the principles and that's what I'm working on with these guys movement on the feet movement on the ground. So that's going to be fine, but either way, it's going to be in either the crowd, crop schools in Downers Grove, um, so Joe, you'll put the links again just to Chuck May's um website because he, he handles all of this. But uh yeah, no, there are a great bunch of people. I stuck around and did a private with a, with, a, with Tony. Hey Tony, I did a private with him, really great guy. Um and uh yeah, it it was fine. Uh and it's a lot cooler in there than the, than the, uh, wrestling room. So uh, AC, (laughs) no, they don't have AC going. They just had a fan, but you have no, no, absolutely no, uh, comprehension of how warm it is in that wrestling room to the point of it being not healthy. It's not a healthy atmosphere. Um, as we, I think we discussed this several years ago, there were people here in Chicago athletes dying from, um, dehydration and shit just getting overheated well it's not so bad now that the climate's starting to change now the, the season here but um there's this big misconception about working out when it's super hot you uh, know that's just really not wise um you, your dehydration can have lasting lingering effects i know we talked about this cuz i suffered from heat stroke twice and you're never the same after that right. but anyway right. this um craft school well, we did a seminar there before, remember Joe? yeah, I remember for sure, yeah, yeah, so uh we have to make some differences, obviously, the matting situation is different, but for me, it's great, and then they have a garage door that opens right up to the you know the the concrete the, the you know where the cars drive, so that's great for real real life street fighting you know, let's get out of here. you think you, you you think you want to grapple let me throw you onto that and see how you like it. Let me ride you hard it's a whole different story when you're not on a padded mat. So, um, yeah, that's great, great bunch of people. Um, and we're, again, we're just hoping that more people start to show up, you know, guys who email me all the time about training. You don't want to drive to where I live. You got to drive somewhere. Okay. We can't come to your house. So (laughs) Downers Grove isn't that far for people who are in Chicago. Matter of fact, neither is Naperville. Um, where the college is, but you've here's your golden opportunity to come, and you know if if you want, we can make arrangements to do privates uh so it i mean during after the seminar, I can't have access to the gym you know during the week. it's not my gym, but Joe, you're supposed to be working on talking to Josh Passini and Jason Bender about doing seminars or and or privates or classes or whatever in Chicago, so well, you could talk about that at the end of the podcast because you and I haven't talked, you know, yeah. um, you travel so much, but anyway, yeah, no, it's just that. And um I'm going to have a couple Tri-C guys coming into town. Uh One's actually in town, but I, he came in unannounced and I, I'm not, I, I'm not set up to train him right now. I got commitments here, but they will be training in a couple weeks, weeks, um, which will be, you know, good uh and yeah it's all it's all uh, it's all coming together i'm trying to get everything ready for the seasonal change you know mm-hmm. i'm getting my mind prepared for i know i know it's going to be four or five months before winter but or whatever three four months but i'm getting ready for that already
2: that's the thing and i, I guess ben i'll segue to ask him because something he's on the west coast he probably doesn't have to deal with this but everybody in the midwest probably on the east coast too there's kind of the psychological thing you have to start to brace yourself for what's coming you know uh like when we get to the end of summer like there's a lot of uh end of summer activities you know but i can still feel that depression kind of like trying to sneak in on me because we have like uh back to school sales that's always triggers me that's like a big trigger for me when i see that you know when i see the 64 box of crayola crayons in the target i get upset you know because i know it's coming uh even though I'm not in school anymore, I still just like I said, I just I, I, you can't escape winter this way. So, uh, but Ben Smart being on the uh, west coast and not having to deal with it, or maybe he does. I don't know because you're up in the Pacific Northwest. But without any further ado, let me I, I keep kind of alluding to him, but uh, Ben Sanford, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining.
3: Thank you guys for having me. Really a pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you.
2: Now I met you, Ben, at this year's uh, scout class. So. Ben, um, Ben Sanford, Chris Harley, and Joel Lau were actually teaching the martial arts at, uh, curriculum during the scout class. Um, and we've touched briefly about the scout class as part of the tracker school and had Matt Corandino, who's also one of the instructors there. Uh, but Ben, yeah, he he's has an extensive background. It was funny. I was trying to think how to do an intro for him, and I was kind of looking over your online resume, and I'm like, well, how do I summarize this? This is not going to be mm. easy. <laughs> you've got so much in your background. Um, I know you were training us in Kali and some Salat and things during um, the, you know, the scout week at Tracker, uh, but I know you've got a, a much broader background than that. Um, and also, I know you've got kind of... Uh, kind of coming up soon uh kind of a week-long seminar that you do out on the west coast maybe we could start by talking about that and kind of uh letting people know what that's about sure yeah
3: appreciate it um yeah so my martial background's primarily the last 20 years has been Kali and Sila and um in a fusion uh my teacher assistant basically put together he calls Call. And, uh, so it's, it's really looking kind of where those two align, which is many points of contact. But, uh, so this, the protector course is a, my friend Christopher Harley and I put it on and it's connected to, or it's related to material we, we, uh, cover and teach and also learn and have been trained by with, uh, Tom Brown at Tracker. So, um, for us, you know, Tom gave, besides teaching the martial arts portion of, of the week, uh, Tom asked us to do the scout protector course, which is kind of like a continuing, um, you know, immersion for students that are interested in that aspect of the scout training. And so um, we've been doing that for about 10 years and it, we run that once or twice a year. And then uh, and as a way to try to gather more folks because you know the prerequisites for the scout protector are um scout class so it's kind of a smaller audience you know and and as you know kind of a rites of passage to get into in the first place um we created another layer of that training we call the protector which is just meant to be a little more um not necessarily beginner based i mean everyone's welcome it just it puts a lens of the protector archetype over martial training. And I've, we found that to be very powerful for us, but also for folks that come and try it out. So, um, so yeah, it's a week long immersion out at our property here in Washington State. So we're outside the whole time, you know, training, training by day, um, well, and by night a little bit, and then hanging up by the fire at night and, and sharing meals and stuff. So a really, uh, little, Uh, less intense than the scout class in terms of your schedule. You get to sleep, you get to, you know, have your meals and stuff, but a whole lot of fun and um, in a cool, you know, really uh, natural setting. Just, it's just a, it's beautiful time. So, um, and like I said, it's, it's not just for beginners. It's also for folks that have experience because we've found that just bringing this, the, the role of the protector into whatever martial background you have, it kind of is like looking through a new lens or a new perspective at your training. So.
2: So are you trying to maybe open people up to a different mindset about how they approach the martial arts or kind of their role with it?
3: Yeah. You know um, yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. I think you can take kind of any experience or even no experience and just kind of activate the, uh, protector archetype. If you think of it in terms of you know roles and duties of human beings, you know we have, and this is something that we got from Joe Lau actually, who I think you've had on there, and and mm-hmm. uh, he's an instructor at Tracker. But um, when I was going through my scout class, actually, is where that distinction was made for me. I had a previous history of, of training, and then at 25, I did the scout class, and when this idea of the protector was brought up, it really kind of, um, kind of really awakened me to a whole nother way of, of framing my training and approaching martial arts. So, um, and we tried to do that somewhat during the scout class. I mean, it's it's a little difficult in that context, but um, I don't know what you, you thought of that, but it's, there's, it's, some of that's present there as well, but yeah, so it's a, it's a paradigm, uh, paradigm shift, kind of a philosophy, but also can be embodied, you know? So
2: and i know and i'm going to kind of loop tony in cuz i know it's one of the ethics he's often kind of um you know prescribed to me or talked about is that you know that once you re- reach a certain level of training there is kind of a certain maybe level of responsibility to those around you you know um kind of like the uh, medical version of it would be like you know is there a doctor in their house is there someone who can actually you know maybe jump in here and kind of uh you know think about your role in the environment too, and trying to make those around you safe. You know, I know that's something that Tony's kind of informally talked to me about a lot that, <laughs> you know, when he's out with his groups or whatever, that, that's something, you know, he feels there's a, almost a, a duty or a responsibility when you, when you develop these skills um, to, you know, try and help if you can. And um, it's, it's kind of a heavy responsibility. I think a lot about, um and I, I don't know if everybody has that in them when they train. I mean, some people, they're just looking out to protect themselves, and that's fine. I mean, everybody needs to know, I think, how to take care of themselves and be safe. Um, but I think there, there are people who go beyond a little bit. You know, I often think about, like, on an, an airplane, because I was just traveling, where they say, hey, do you want to sit by this exit? Because we might need you to step in and help. And think about that as your role before you accept it, you know, and um and so it's, it's something to be, I think, aware of and think about as you do your training. Um, you know, it's, it's not a necessarily, some people just do it by default. It's instinctive. You know, they, they, they just want to be that person. And other people have to uh, uh, I think make a, th- uh, a conscious choice to, to be that or not.
1: Right. Yeah. Or well, you have to have the ability to, I mean, the, having the desire is one thing, but if you don't have the goods to back it up, you can, you can inflame things. You can make a, make it much worse. Um, you know, so you really have to know what you're doing, especially nowadays with everybody's gun crazy. Um, but you know, you, yeah, there's just people I, I know, I know, uh, um, obviously won't mention names, but pretty famous. Well, not famous, but well-known martial artists that fold under pressure, right? They, they, they don't do the street fight thing. All right. That's not their cup of tea. Um, and where other people may mock them, no, at least they know it. All right, I, they they're aware of it, and uh so I give them credit for at least saying, "Hey, you know, I'm not a street fighter. I I'm just into the sport aspect of it. That's cool, mm. Yeah.
2: So, but, Ben. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just no, going to say, no. "Hey, Ben, how did it all get started? When did you start training? You've you've always been in the Northwest, is that right? Is that where you grew up?"
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm in Washington State, and I'm in. How the far very... from
2: Seattle are you? So About give
3: us. Two two hours west so if you can okay. imagine west of seattle there's yeah, so the yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> the ocean right <laughs> the ocean yeah um no actually you do have to take a ferry and cross bridges to get to where i'm at so we're out on the olympic peninsula which is uh you might have heard of the olympic national park mm-hmm. um, so i'm right on the edge of that so and uh yeah so i grew up here um i was kind of a feral kid running around the woods and you know took my shoes off when i was like eight years old and Never really put them back on. Um, <laughs> I like your bare feet, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Well,
1: I knew you were coming on the show. This is for you. Uh,
3: so I had a lot of exposure to the wild. And then I was inspired by, you know, I lived in kind of a small town. So I didn't have a lot of uh, real direct mentors when I was younger, you know, and came from kind of a conservative home. So there was a lot of kind of... Uh, the world, the scary place kind of thing. Yeah. So I, uh, but I was inspired early on by Tom Brown through the tracker when I was 14, I found that. And I got, um, also got inspired by Tarzan books. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but those are awesome. And, uh, and then got into martial arts, just, you know, the thing that was closest by, which was at that time, basically just, I don't even know what you call it anymore American karate, (laughs) but, uh, and then I got into Taekwondo after that. And um, so I started training around 14 and got into what I'd say a more formal training and guided training. And I mean, before that, I was just a kid, kind of a wild kid, uh, basically inventing parkour, you know, before it was <laughs> a thing. So, <laughs> which I, you know, my knees are suffering now from that. But uh, so um was I was gonna say. So from there, uh, I I got I went to the tracker school when I was twenty three, I think. So I, after high school, I did some traveling, saw the world a bit, got a little more uh, sense of what was going on out there. And then, because it, it is it is kind of like an island culture where I live. I mean, there's one road in, one road out, and we you got to take boats and stuff. So um, it, was a sm- it was a small a small world, but. Um, from tracker school, it was a really, really like a uh, homecoming kind of experience for me, you know, finding a tribe of people that had a lot of uh similar values and also interests. And so I really pursued that pretty heavily and and um you know, took that training home, took it seriously and and um was also paralleling my my training in martial art. I was exposed to uh actually that's where I discovered Joe Lao and, and Bujinkan. So I got interested in that. Um, and then I don't know how much my whole story. Here, but
2: well, We got but, time. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, it's very, right. very so, curious, social right.
1: security number bank. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you
3: yeah. Want it all. R- routing number. Well, you <laughs> won't get right. far with it. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, uh, let's see, my cousin, my younger cousin who joined the Navy and became a seal, uh, he came across my instructor, my current instructor, uh, Ken Pannell, who I was wondering, Tony, if you might know, you're from Cleveland, right?
1: Originally, yes. I'm in Chicagoland okay. now, but yes. Okay,
3: okay. So uh, Ken uh, is his hometown was Dayton, and uh, he's he's been there. Well, he's not there now, but he he's spent most of his life there, and kind of had a similar background from what I gathered yourself as far as you know the street and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my cousin uh, came across ken and uh he was teaching this call this fusion of kali and Sealot and southeast asian arts and uh had kind of an edge to it that was very <laughs> very hard very combative and very real compared to you know some of the things you find and um he was like something something something's cool here just uh, so that was about 2003 and then so i i flew out and met him and we started training together, and, um, never stopped, became right. an instructor under, instructor under him. And so that's kind of
1: how I got into
3: it. And
1: yeah. I I like people who do the reality. I mean, I like everybody that that's involved in stuff or even not martial arts, but I like the reality stuff. Um, you know, the real reality stuff, you know, not the quasi realities, but that's just because it's, there's nothing, you know, yeah, it's great to, win the title, it's great to win the tournament and get the trophy. There's nothing more important than defending your life or the life of your loved one. That's the ultimate uh, championship to me. So, um, you know, it's, yeah, I appreciate guys like yourself that, that make the journey, you know, you traveled halfway, almost all the way across the country to go train, which is, um, you know, fantastic.
3: Yeah, did that for a lot of years, kind of the old way of, you know, go go hang out with a master for the a week or a weekend and then come back and try and unpack what you got and get beat up. And, yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of guys that come from all over the world, really. Now I have a gentleman coming in from California. Well, he's here, but he's in Chicago. But he'll be here um, at the house in a couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, the thing when you travel this way, it's like, don't, don't try to cram it in. You know, don't try to learn somebody's, I'm not telling this to you. I'm just saying it to our yeah. listeners. Don't expect to learn the whole system, right? Because you'll, you won't, you will learn nothing. You want to, you want to work on a few things and and get those halfways, get them halfway decent and, and get your mind stimulated. That's the biggest thing with me. Um, no matter what we do, uh, self-defense or just daily training, everything starts with a thought in your mind. Got to have your mind right. And, um, and maybe have a light bulb go off eventually and that'll accelerate your training. But I, you know, I know a lot of people want to get, they want to see things. They want to see all these different moves, but what, yeah. what do you retain? That's the problem. You got to try to retain. Yeah. So um, that's just my take, you know, cause when I first started training, um, I don't recall now that was, you know, 45 years ago with the with the catch wrestling, but um i do recall that it took a while for the thing to to sink in okay now granted i was in the same town and i was going there basically almost every day but like if if i had to travel it it would you know would have been hard for me to do because it takes a while you know for it to click
3: yeah
1: but
0: i'm glad that you did it
3: yeah me too i mean it's it's been super rewarding and you know i was i think I must have showed enough passion for it that he eventually moved here
1: <laughs> shortened ah, my trip yeah that's cool so
3: we have you know i have a community here because I have a training center besides martial arts i mean it includes martial arts but it's uh i don't know Joe if you saw uh tribal edge but that's that's the uh kind of multifaceted training center that i run and so we had a community here that was already interested and and um i was trying to you know preserve and keep what i had been had been learning and um i think about 10 years but he he moved over here and we had a good five years with him before he moved on so
1: that's where's nice. he at now
3: he's down in arizona prescott
1: well that's warm man i yeah arizona's too hot for me
3: yeah he's got a great crew of uh Special forces knuckleheads that he's beating on now, so he's having Good. fun. Yeah,
1: nice. Yeah, there used to be a guy. Well, this is when I was a kid. Michael and He allegedly. Well, I know trained...
2: exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Him.
1: Well, there's. I don't. You know. I mean, I was a kid, so I don't know what what's true, what's bullshit. I, I saw a couple books, um, but, you know, showing the stick stuff and 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 what have you. But um, I do know that there have been some phonies that have been involved with the. um, you know military special forces or whatever you want to call it tactics i've trained some of those guys they're very very nice guys but there's guys that you know made their living making these claims and i can tell you they're full of shit now all of them just there were certain ones some are alive some are dead but um yeah some of it is just
2: and i get the impression too that like and I'm obviously not talking about your instructor or anything. I didn't mean to imply that, but that, that, like, I think guys in the special forces are always going around and searching and seeking different things to add to their game. And so a lot of times people will make that their reputation, you know, maybe they did a, you know, they did a seminar for the, you know, the Mm -hmm. Navy SEALs or they, you know, they, they came in for a week to work with the green berets and that becomes their whole marketing scheme, um, which is unfortunate, Um, but that's just part of it. But um you know it's it's good to hear that like yeah um they're working with real people too because you feel eventually they're going to find <laughs> you know like through trial and error what works and what doesn't um so but yeah i remember going way back to Enchanis, and I, I still have some of those books shoved away somewhere in my attic um but uh you know you kind of mentioned your school ben tribal edge and i i think i was i got the the privilege of um one of your students, I believe, was at the scout class, and I got to actually take the shuttle out with him, and I, his name escapes me at the moment. But he, cool. I, I think so. I, were you demoing with him occasionally? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Really, really cool guy. And and I, I want to kind of – he kind of talked about something I'll maybe ask you to elaborate on. He talked about kind of your school and the – I guess he referred to it as like the the different – like points on the compass or the different pillars, kind of all the things that you're trying to cover in your school. Maybe maybe we could talk to that and describe all the things that you're, you're trying to uh, work on or, or pass on in your school.
3: Okay. Yeah, sure. So our, our curriculum is uh, again, it was highly influenced by uh, obviously my teachers. That's where everything, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants. My, my, Uh, Joe Lau was instrumental in giving kind of helping me frame our curriculum. And then um, he doesn't really know that he didn't do that. Like sit down with me. It was more of a, he had, he had a program called natural duties where he taught a week long course called warriorship workshop. And that was also very influential on our protector course and that whole ethos. So uh, within that Joe kind of distinguished the basic human roles and duties into four areas, which were the protector, the provider, the perceiver, and the preserver. And um, so if you think about that, you know, archetypically as just huge <laughs> containers for, for human activity and human needs, um, inside of that, you know, obviously the protector kind of holds the space for uh, protecting life, the, the defensive qualities. And, and we have it today. I mean, it's still present with us obviously is law enforcement the military the uh security and, and martial arts and all that stuff um and then we have in the perceiver category would be tracking uh at the primal level so um meaning fa- kind of fundamental or, or original level so the sk- the skills that correspond to tracking uh, are nowadays kind of expressed through information gathering you know it would be like uh the media, which sadly is struggling, but uh, you know even the scientific inquiry, all kinds of anything that's kind of pushing into mystery like that and gathering information um, but traditionally it would be the trackers and the scouts you know and then we have uh, the provider, which is obviously the life supporting skills of shelter water fire food, you know basic survival skills, but also the thrival skills of you know uh, moving beyond that building home building you know. Uh, basically nowadays it's our mechanics plumbers uh, house builders you know this, the grocery store all of those infrastructures and then the uh, preserver which is the healing systems so um it was the herbalist the shaman maybe the um that kind of work but now obviously it's all of that infrastructure as well so the, from emergency medicine to um all, all the different types of care so so anyway, those four directions, if you will, and it's kind of modeled on a um, visually on a on a compass, like old you know in Tom's tradition, it's the medicine wheel or the the directions, and so that's how it's kind of contained and, and organized as a way to start to understand it and there's a whole very rich uh, thing there as far as that being a, a very powerful tool for for learning and for Kind of holding information and wisdom and stuff like that. So, um, but anyway, so I used I used that kind of archetypal archetypal model to um, start to uh, uh, first of all kind of collect the skills and then start to kind of unpack them and and figure out how they connected and were were related and how to share them. Uh, and my contribution, if there is one, I would say is. Um, I have a desire to uh, integrate and to kind of make things accessible for people. And I don't mean to reduce them to, I don't want to oversimplify things. I don't want, you know, to lose the richness, but to make it, uh, make it something that people people can make contact with. So, you know, I, I use, and the, the clearest way I've found to use that is teaching from basically a, a principle-based approach, you know, and uh, I've found that that's very powerful in in all these different arts and helps people connect to kind of the source so that they can the source of the the teaching and the knowledge so that they can develop their own relationship with things and, and grow. So so anyway, that's kind of the core layer of our training. Um, it's it's a little complex to just kind of lecture about, but I, <laughs> I I'm I'm glad to. I'm totally a nerd about it, but uh um I don't know.
2: I'm a little curious. Questions so- there. Oh yeah, I got ton. Um, so obviously that's those four categories cover a lot of territory. yeah uh, do you teach all of those or do you encourage people to seek out experts in those different areas? yeah, is that yeah. so
3: so basically what I do is introductory kind of i te- <laughs> I jokingly uh, tell my students you know basically I teach one thing, and what I teach is I guess those two things <laughs> this integrated process of journey, like learning how to uh, get on a path that you're interested on, whether it's martial arts or any path of, uh, that you're fascinated by and how to keep going, you know, how to how to explore, how to how to grow on that. And so that is, I would say, kind of the focus that I have is it's it's kind of I call it meta education or meta school where you're actually learning how to learn, you know, and I think that's a very important part of the process. So. That said, I do introductory classes on each of those four, and then encourage people to, you know, kind of point them towards sources and bring in sources as far as expertise. So um, generally, though, it's funny, we, I haven't had, it's been a while since we've, well, my school is pretty quiet right now, post COVID, we're still kind of re-ramping up, but um, there hasn't been a huge need for um, bringing in outside experts. I mean, as the needs arise, I, I do that. It's uh partly I think because the the way it's uh is so um people learn how to do it themselves. They and that they learn how to find it themselves. They learn how to learn themselves. So so they're actually already in this research mode and also in this discovery mode where I'm kinda like, I don't have to do much more, you know. So sometimes we'll bring in experts for workshops, but I'll find that the students that i haven't talked to for like a year, instead of being you know uh a year of space where they haven't done anything they're like hey check out all this cool stuff i've been studying i'm like awesome you know so it's like somehow it's planting seeds that kind of grow on people and and they're taking off so
2: interesting
0: yeah do
2: you do you have to so you know obviously you know my initial introduction to you was through martial arts and i'm you know I always when someone talks to school, I kind of picture uh you know kind of a dojo or a boxing gym kind of environment where people come in weekly and kind of train. Um, I guess A is you know, with your um your current martial art, and I can't remember the name because it's not it's Kali and Salac. Yeah. Okay. Um so I'm assuming you have uh, like regular weekly classes with that, you're passing on that tradition, but then For the kind of thing you're talking about, it doesn't seem, it seems almost like a mentorship thing. Like, uh, you know, is that something that people eventually, as they're going to their school, you're like, oh, this person, I think I could mentor them to go out there? Or is that something you introduce kind of right away? Yeah, I'm just curious to uh, kind of the structure, trying to, you know, picture what's happening.
3: No, that's a great, great question and a great point because, um, yeah, especially for teaching, you know, learning how to learn and that layer of, Of teaching, it is a mentorship relationship. Um, So, I think uh, I use so the the, the, what I call the core classes or the core curriculum. Those four domains, you know, basically just quickly. (laughs) One class is called tracking. One class is called survival. One class is called healing. One class is called combat, and they're just four placeholders for those. So I I see them as like doors or trailheads that go infinitely in each of those directions right and so i'm bringing people to those trailheads and getting them excited and and showing the integration and the relevance to their life so that they can be inspired and then if they begin to go on that journey they start to um kind of immediately as you know pursuing any any path you have to kind of run you run into yourself is what you run into <laughs> you know you run into your own Uh, resistance your own blind spots your own whatever on any any path of quote mastery you know if you're trying to achieve something and so it's it's a lot of my focus in terms of mentorship and and so what I end up doing is training mentors to help each other and help others um, walk a journey and move through kind of these phases of of territory that are sometimes challenging, might cause people to leave if, or jump off the journey if they weren't otherwise aware of how the process unfolds. So so there is a, um, I do have, okay. So everything right now is a little odd with uh, recovering from COVID. Um, I took all of our classes outside. Most of our classes are outside anyway, almost all of them. But I do have a a home dojo, we call the lab, which is, uh, we shut it down at the beginning of COVID, but I, I still do personal tr- and private training there. It's, it's a little small. So, um, but so basically everything's outside right now. And, um, I have a monthly day long workshop and then I have, um, a small group of ongoing, you know, weekly st- students. So it's been pretty small right now, but you know, so. I've, I also have had programs that run for a year continuously and the program itself is called the journey. And it's the, it's the one that ties all of these subjects together and kind of gives the people this immersive experience. Um, and by the end, they kind of have a sense of what it means to have, be a mentor, but also having been mentored through something. And so they can kind of take those skills as well. And so. I find that they're doing pretty co- cool stuff out there in the world, you know, it's, and Michael was one of them. Yeah. So um, if you noticed, I mean, I can't claim all of his awesomeness, that's him, <laughs> but um, that's probably what he was referring to is that method. Yeah. And it was
2: just kind of an informal chat and I can't remember how we, you know, we got onto it, but it was just, and some of it was just me picking up him talking to other people because I think, um, you know, he had helped someone repair their vehicle, you know so he had some like mechanic background he was very familiar with that and then oh he's also going to nursing school and he's training in his martial arts and oh, he's at the tracker school and so i could start to see exactly all these dimensions that you're talking about and you know so i was just kind of you know he and i were bouncing questions back and forth you know and i was still kind of in a daze coming out of scout class so i don't remember exactly what yeah. all the details of it um but that you know that made an impression on me and i think um you know, it's nice to see that organization to it too. Um, you know, cause I think a lot of people like, I think when we had Joe Lau and I've had, you know, I've been talking with him and he's been, uh, been a good friend and in helping instructing me over the last year. Or so I've, I've kind of, you know, ever since I've been to tracker school, he's um, but he's, you know, kind of, I don't know if he in- laid it out. Well, I guess he did. Cause he, you, you said he was an influence, but uh, the, you know, the different things he pursued in his life and w- what he wanted to contribute and how he wanted to, Um, take his martial arts background and his tracker background and then he kind of added in the healthcare you know like it's just very interesting to see all those dimensions and uh, I think he kind of talked about just kind of and I think you guys did talk about it too and I apologize again because the scout week is all blurring for me oh I know (laughs) yeah the the idea of like you know when you're when you show up at a place ideally you want people to be like kind of happy you're there you're like not just because they like you but also because, oh this guy he can help out or you see you know he makes us feel safer or you know whatever the situation is you you're bringing something to the table to offer that makes you know and that's I think is a good just a general life goal you know whatever that that thing is for and so I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing if people who are kind of out there in saying this is something maybe you should try you know uh, uh, something that we should all be striving for to try to be that person who can help those around us, whatever that might be. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. And the fact that you have kind of an organized school to try and incur- mentor people in that direction is awesome. Yeah. Um,
3: trying, uh, trying to help. Yeah. Basically, uh, awaken people into that possibility and, and, and train them that way. And that's on In our training, that's what I refer to as the uh, everyday hero. That's just you know small h, just a a person who's ready, willing, and able, and you know can can um, hopefully lend a hand or make people feel a little safer when they're when they're around. So not that they're a superhero walking around. It's just when things get challenging, they they're the one that's still there, you know. <laughs> and they don't think anything of it necessarily. Cause it's like yeah, yeah, I, I know how to I know how to do this, you know. So that's that's to me uh a goal you know it's that's pretty,
2: pretty yeah it kind of awesome. reminds me of my uh so in, in my band our drummer uh is tom but he's uh he's been in he's been in the fire service forever he's a paramedic but we just had a few situations where like we had a backyard concert at our at his house it's, it's it's a thing if you're ever in the chicago area during the summer we'll have to have you come out to it but someone got their car kind of partially stuck in a ditch and tom was the first guy there figuring out how we're going to get this car out of the ditch and everybody's like, Oh, thank God Tom's here, you know? And that's kind of cool to be that guy or try and work on being that guy. Uh, You know, it's something to strive for, I think. And some people just do it unconsciously. They just want to be there to help. But it's also like, uh, you know, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a motivating thing. I think it can be for some people. I want to ask you in your opinion on this and maybe there's not a, a straight answer, but you encourage your, your students to be, uh, kind of generalists in all four of those dimensions? Or do you, at some points, like sir, someone's going towards one direction, do you want them to specialize? What or are you, what's the balance there?
3: Great, great question. Yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it kind of naturally emerges. I think of it as um, building a, a fairly strong base in, in these different areas. And this is for folks that are sticking around and say doing our journey program. But what happens is, you know, just like there's different directions of focus, there's different constitutional people are just different. They have different natures, different interests, different gifts. And those things just emerge, you know, they just show up. And so it's, it's not really something I have to suggest even or coordinate. It just, if you, if you get people excited about living and about contributing, they just, (laughs) they get called in a direction, you know? And so um, what, what I, one of the quotes I like, actually, I don't remember where it's from is, uh, you can't make a choice you can't perceive. And so what I'm trying to do is kind of reveal these different, you know, give them more choices so they can actually be an artist in different ways of life, you know? So, um so yeah, that, that kind of takes care of itself. And it is important though, because there is a point where you can't generalize on everything you need, you need to pick a path, you know, but along with that, if you're, if you're picking the path, if one of, one of your skills is learning how to learn. It does kind of give you unique access to, to um, any path you're on and kind of laterally a little bit, you know, it's not like you can master everything, but you know um, there's insight that you can gain. So, so I guess what happens is people will, and the way it's um, way we do it, the way it's learned is like you're, you don't leave your insights in the dojo. You don't leave your insights in the, you know, the training field. Um, it kind of goes with you through the day and you find yourself find find yourself making connections and and finding deeper meaning in your in your lessons, uh, whether it's a physical lesson a, a mental insight emotional shift, whatever it is that kind of permeates your life you know kind of horizontally and um so I found that to be pretty amazing I think that's because the practices are uh, embodied you know they're they're not just uh propositional or theoretical like like going to a college course <clears throat> you know it's stuff that you are having an experience that's shifting you at some fundamental level that's changing how you see the world and and giving you perspectives and that kind of that permeates out you know so i was going to say to you earlier that the um the uh, Greek word karos or hero uh translates to protector which is also why i use that word and as far as specialties in our school that that's my personal kind of specialty so the school does have kind of a it leans in that direction overall because of me you know that's my influence and it kind of the protector does in some ways hold um and i've even heard this from tom kind of holds the it's like an umbrella term for um, just like hero is kind of, it's, it's for all of those skills in a way it's, 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 you know, it's putting oneself between
0: the unknown and the tribe. It's, it's being that buffer.
1: Some people aren't cut out for that. That's the thing, you know, and, and, and that's okay. You know, everybody, that I think is cognizant mentally has a role some, somewhere or another, they're going to fit into this whole scheme. Um, And I think too, as, and I had to learn this sometimes the hard way. uh, When I started teaching years ago, um, what I want for the student may not be what they, he or she wants. Okay. Uh, Or needs. So I had to learn the hard way that, okay, I can't, that they're not going to be able to grasp Grasp this at a higher level because their heart isn't in it. They want they want to go in this direction, so I have to go in that direction for them. So it's about them. It's about making them better. It's it's not about patting yourself on the back. Yeah, Yeah, and I and I do find that there's roles, there's things that I wanted to do with my life. I really did, and I I just I wasn't suited for it. I just I had to walk away from it because I wasn't cut out for certain things. Sure. So you know, can't can't do it all. You know. now uh, that's, it, it, you know, and especially when you're, when you're talking about, well, this isn't necessarily like street fighting now or survival skills, but when you're talking about the best in the world at something, um, oh yeah, you've got to really be, there's, it's gotta be narrow, as narrow as can be, um, you know, there's just yeah. no coming from like, well, even the fighting, you know, but just really coming from like the music world uh, there's folks that are, you know, they can play great, you know, classical music and, and great jazz. There's a few that can do that, but they're not, the, they're not world-class either. They're good. But, you know, like, I, I've seen some great touring uh, classical pianists. That's all they do all day long. And you get them to try to play country or, or jazz, it isn't happening, okay, because that's just not their realm. So um, I, I think a lot of people want to do a lot, and we're, this is probably going back to that general generalization or specializing, um, you know, it, it, so having a musical knowledge that's general, okay, you know, the notes, you know, the theory, blah, 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 but then when you specialize in something, you know, that can take you to, you know, levels that you you just could never imagine. I've seen some pretty world class people, man. and it just blows my mind. I'm like Jesus, man. I I'm like a rank beginner compared to these people.
3: Yeah, that's um, a whole another world. You're right. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, too, and, and, and like what, what what with with me with the fighting, I lived and breathed that. There was nothing nothing else until I got to a a level, okay, of of you know being comfortable and you know like. I, I I knew what I knew. Then then you go into the maintenance phase, right? You don't want to start backsliding, but you know you peaked. All right, so <laughs> you want to you want to kind of keep it at that level as long as you can and then that gives you the chance to branch out um into other things cuz you know, I had a lot of hobbies or a lot of interests besides just fighting, you know, I had music, I shooting pool, um, you know, strength weight you know powerlifting, and but you know i i take things in chunks <clears throat> i'll keep the interest going mentally i'll dabble now and then but i gotta feel or uh, i gotta finish the task at hand and then once i get to that level that i want to be at then i could start focusing that's at least works for me that's that's what worked for me um growing up uh now i'm older it's it's hard to do anything really but I do have fond memories, at least. What I remember. (laughs) Even that's slipping. My memory's going.
3: Do you find, if I, can can I just ask you, Tony, do you find as you've matured on your path that your focus has shifted from, or did, you know, obviously if like I have injuries and stuff, I have to work around. I'm not that old, but I'm, I'm, I'm approaching 50. And uh, after I'm also an arborist. I've been tree work my whole life. And I've been pretty beat up with that. So, um, I know how, for me, I'm kind of strategy, uh, <laughs> the strategy end of things have become much more, uh, relevant to me. I, guess. I used to power through everything and now I'm just kind of like getting way smarter. So, I mean, do you th- do you find that to be important for you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because, um, you're, yeah, it's all about using your brain. That's that's the number one muscle right now for me. Uh, thinking things out, and uh, but you know, I, I I didn't do this all of a sudden because I've been injured for a long, long time. Different injuries, so I've had a long time to develop that that way of looking at different things, um, and to become at least I would hope become more efficient at what I do. Um, not necessarily shortcuts but taking all the superfluous stuff out of it, okay? Uh, somebody asked me, if you had the power to use just one move that would work against anybody, what what would it be? And I said, without well, a doubt, I said, one-punch knockout. And they were shocked because they figured that was uh, going to say a choke hold or an arm bar or leg lock or something. No, that's too complicated. That's too involved. Just one punch and knock you out? that would be the ultimate, right? Cause that's efficient. <laughs> you know, it doesn't take much effort to throw a punch. So that's how I kind of look at my life. Now, <clears throat> things in the past that I would do that may have been a little more flamboyant. <clears throat> I've tried to get all of that out uh, of my system. And yeah, I, I just try to be more efficient and use, like you said, strategy, um, think things out as opposed to relying on my physicality to just overwhelm someone. Uh, So in a way, I think I'm better because of that development, because I didn't have that when I was younger and nobody can have that because it just takes years on the job, so to speak. You Mm -hmm. know, it takes experience Um, like music, you know, um, if you're a jobbing musician, not in a band now, I'm not talking about a band, but if you're in a jobbing musician, a freelance player, uh, you know, you end up playing tunes, you've never heard before. Okay. So you're, you're, um, repertoire grows and that happened to me you know when i played the drums with different bands every week i was sitting in playing lord knows what you know all i would say is there you know what breaks you know are there any breaks in a song you know what's the rhythm what's the tempo um and then just go from there uh so so yeah i didn't know all that when i first started jobbing at 18 i had to develop that so same with the for everybody out there that that wants to learn it all now time will come you you know in time you'll your your life experiences and you, uh should uh that that'll give you something you can't get in college or even in a martial arts school
3: yeah that's kind of what i'm referring to by journey is you know thinking of it as a skill like actually learning how to how to grow and uh not just not just trying to get somewhere, not trying to get to a goal, but actually appreciating the process. And I think that makes your, your end result. If there is such a thing way more, uh a different quality. So that's, that's cool. I think, you know, there are certain things you can, that can be taught. Most of that's just like you said, experience, but.
1: Um... Well, you know, the, the goal thing too, can be a double-edged sword because once you reach your goal, then it's like, now what? It can yeah. almost be um, like, like, you know, anticlimactic at times. Uh, you, you, you're happy, oh yeah, I did it, and then once that wears off, it's like you're alone in the room. So, you know, you you constantly want to. I believe this is for me now. I'm not saying everybody has to be like this, but I always have different interests. So once once I've accomplished, if I've accomplished something in one avenue, now I want to focus on something else. Um, you know. What's the end game? I'm going to die in the end anyhow, just like everybody else. But I want to at least try to live my life to the fullest because I think, especially in my personal life, it's it hasn't been about me for many many years. All right, for deck over a decade, I'm dealing with outside forces. You know, taking care of other people and just things that I have no control over. So I and I know there's other people in that situation or worse. But when you have a chance to take control of your own life or something in your life, an aspect of your life, there's nothing more enriching to me, I, I think, because now, you know, you're making yourself better. Ergo, I think you can make everybody else around you better. Because if you're the, if you're always down in the dumps and the mope, you know, it's kind of, who wants to be around that? But when you walk in tall and you feel good, you just kind of give off that that vibe, um, that aura. And, it, it just makes everybody else around you, uh, you know. You you become an uplifting person. So, uh, yeah, that's what I'm. You know, I'm I'm in that phase now where I'm trying to get things organized in my life right now, so I can start working on on myself a little bit again. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's everybody's got their own journey. You know, everybody's got their own thing. You know, Joe's more or less a traveling man. I'm I'm not a traveler. Okay. Um, so I'm more of a homebody or like my neighborhood, my area kind of guy. Um, Joe likes to go everywhere. Uh, I just like to go to Cleveland if I could, you know, just to z- see my old, you know, just the area. Um, uh, or, or or just go to Chicago. Chicago, so there's so much depth in the city, there's so much to do in Chicago for me now. And I mean, you know, he's a nature guy, you guys are both nature guys. I'm not a nature guy. I'm a city guy. So for me, I can get, I can get so much out of just being in a city, um, and, and absorbing the the culture and the people. It, it's just like for me, going on vacation is to go to Chicago, because mm. I can go to a Polish area where they don't even speak English. I can go to a Greek, you know, Italian section, Irish, I, and it's like an escape for me. It's like in a way it's like being in ireland or being yeah. in italy for a while um, i just love it you know it, it's just me i don't get to get to the city too often but um i will again
2: it's cool it just yeah. cracks me up that you call me the nature boy because i'm like when i go out to the tracker school i'm the city boy you know (laughs) i'm like the guy who doesn't have no matter which household he goes to he's the odd man out but it's not in a negative way for for, i don't think either Uh, actually i like i just had a talk with um and i can't remember her name um raquel's wife charlie's wife no no and meredith uh, meredith yes meredith she had a really good point um because i was kind of describing this scenario to her it's like you know i i love going to the tracker school i want to be more involved in nature and get it but you know, there's definitely some people at the tracker school that I've dealt with who are like, like, you know, they're off in the woods and they're never coming back like this. They found their thing and they want to get as far away from civilization as possible. And I said, you know, I still always love it going back to the city and being with people and like Tony exploring these neighborhoods, hitting these restaurants and, and kind of being both. And she said, uh, you know, we look at you kind of, uh, you know, we, we describe you people as kind of a bridge. You're kind of between the two. You know, and that's okay to be both, so it's not an either or, and I kind of, that was a nice little sentiment that she gave, and gave me, think because I was always kind of conflicted, it's like, am I supposed to be one or the other, you know, because I find myself enjoying both, you know, and sometimes those <clears throat> two worlds, you know, at least on paper, seem to clash, but I don't think they necessarily have to, you know, I think you can, um, you know, have a little bit of, appreciate both, necessarily, you know, the, the achievements of man, and Seeing nature, how man expresses that, you know. I love the architecture of the city and the culture. Like Tony talks about the food and the and the different people, you know. Uh, and just like I said, I grew up in, the, in a major metropolitan area, so it's going to be hard for me. I mean, some people they get out into the woods and that's it. They, like I said, they, they get their calling and they don't want to come back. And I, that's awesome. But um, well, that would yeah.
1: be me. But it would only be I'd go out in the woods and never come back only because I get
2: lost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh, but you have to, Tony. I need to take you on a walk in nature, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about that after the show. <laughs> yeah,
1: all right, <laughs> I'm not going behind any bushes with you, pal. Um, <laughs> but no, you know it's when you look through the history of the world, you know the civilizations they sprung from. You know, yeah, there was always the rural thing, but you know cities, you know big metropolises. Um, so the world wouldn't be the way it is now without that element. Um, so I think sometimes people forget that, especially now that I live in like a rural area, um, they don't get that part of the reason, like they hate Chicago in general where I live now, but part of the reason that they got what they have out here is because of Chicago, because this is a, you know, like a satellite Uh, and you have folks like myself and others, of course, that, that moved out here from the city and while they may resent it, the locals resent that. I know that because they've said it to me. Um, you wouldn't have what you have out here if it wasn't for the Chicagoans or other people, more, more cosmopolitan that moved here. All right. And, and now businesses are like, well, we, we got this influx of, you know, a, a variety of different types of people. And, well, now we have a chance. Let's make, let's, let's do this. Let's build this or let's get this store or blah, blah, blah. Um, so there is that lady's right to talk about a bridge. It, there is an intertwined, things are like that. You know, there's not this chasm where you can't cross the Nile. You have both sides and, and when you can meet somewhere in the middle, um, I think it can benefit both because, uh, there are some. There's some nice things to being in a rural area. This is as close to the woods as I'll get probably in my life. But you know, you have some serenity. On paper, you know, um, it, it doesn't really play out like that because I got a, I got a little soap opera going on, on the street behind me. This is the back of my house, and I actually have to close my door. I have a door like a patio door in my bedroom. I have to keep it closed now at night because for the last month, they've been at it, okay? They, they've had, like, man, they've been screaming at each other for, like, a week and a half. And then for three days, they were in love again. And mm-hmm. I could hear their, hear that part of it, too. <laughs> and now for the last week and a half, oh, no, it's worse than it's ever been. I mean, they're, they're threatening to kill each other. and It's just kind of, get out of this house. No, this is mine. You get out of here. It's classic, but, you know. <laughs> so... Yeah, there's some stereotypes about, oh, it's so peaceful and quiet out in the the rural areas. Not really. And then I had two cats, stray cats, getting into it at like 2 o'clock in the morning, screaming at each other, uh, whining, you know, crazy shit. Uh, (laughs) You just don't know. (laughs) And then you got raccoons, you got frigging deer, you got skunks, you got everything. Rabbits, or not, well, you got rabbits, but chipmunks little chipmunks and squirrels all over the place so yeah it's a balance i guess but i I do i do um i mean i've been in the woods i'm i'm kind of clowning i've gone camping but that's to you guys that's nothing right i mean you guys really camp i i had a tent and a bunch of guys and uh beer a lot of beer um but that, that was years and years ago but sure, it, it's it's everybody's different. That's what makes the world what it is. And part of what Joe was saying about the different cultures, like in a city like Chicago, that's what I thrive on. Is you know, because coming from Cleveland was like that. Cleveland was a very ethnic town. Chicago's you know very ethnic, and you you get to learn how people from Yugoslavia or from Hungary uh, or Romania or whatever these 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 countries that you'll never probably visit uh you you get to know these people and you get to see what the culture is like and that's va- that's just fascinating to me um i love it
3: that's really cool yeah you know i've i've actually found it useful in in our training i have uh removed the man and nature distinction if that makes sense so basically well, what do you it's, mean it, it's all nature. (laughs) Everything's nature. If, as soon as we say uh, humans versus nature, that kind of thing, um, it's, it causes all kinds of problems, actually, I think. So even cities are in the bigger scheme, part of nature, you know, I mean, it's in the sense of like, it's part of the planet, you know, it's just, it's just resources and things that we have uh, modified. Right. But it's all nature and it all, because it all it all follows the same principles. So um now it's maybe it's not all wild. That's a useful distinction, you know, like wild nature is one part of it and but human nature is another part of it or uh so anyway, I, I totally agree. I think it doesn't need to be separate separated. In fact, i think it's an artificial separation and it's not a useful one.
2: I'll drink the dad. I'll drink my water. <laughs> I've <laughs> often thought of it as about like um kind of like being in the anthill or being in the beehive and leaving the beehive or you know this is the environment that we've created for ourselves or at least some of us have you know uh but it doesn't mean it's not a part of nature it's just you know yeah and um and and, then the funny thing is nature still crops up it's funny like i now catch myself trying to pay attention to the different weeds and things that are growing in the sidewalks and the cracks and the because some of them was like, hey, I could maybe use that for a bow drill or, you know, like like yeah. these plants are not just random weeds. They actually, you know, uh, and and even the idea of, you know, they have the idea of the sit spot. Well, even if you're living in the city, if you, you just can open up your window and see what what birds come by. I mean, even when I was in the heart of the city, I grew up, I'm not in the city right now, but I grew up in, you know, and like Tony, we have squirrels, we have birds. I mean, not to the extent like, you know, you don't have the... Um, the uh raccoon cat rumble that Tony's having to experience <laughs> nowadays on a daily but I mean, even in the city like when he was in Cleveland or I was in the city in Chicago nature still creeps back in you know they have you know to varying degrees you know and so you're still you know I had the river in the north side of Chicago where it was just I would cop the fence and just go exploring back there that was my nature exploring as a kid so it's it's you can never be completely separated and i guess unless you're in a rocket ship out in space or something but um, even hey, that,
3: there's still know? still nature, right? It's yeah. the universe, then, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, everything's
3: um, responding to the laws of gravity, the laws of entropy. You know, all this stuff. It's all, yeah.
1: Um, well, you I know, know. F- well,
2: go ahead. It, it,
1: it's 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 an interesting concept because um, it, it's all relative. Like, I, I've seriously met people from other parts of the of the world that are like. Um, you don't really have slums in America. You don't, you don't have the ghettos or the slums like we have in their country, okay? Uh, or like what's going on in Ukraine with war torn or other areas of the world that's, you know, the Gaza Strip and shit. You know, I mean, so when people here, for example, make snide remarks about the violence in Chicago, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, there's areas of this world that are just like literal war zones. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I take, I take things, I try to take it with a grain of salt. Um, you know, uh, and I'm a numbers guy, so I understand statistics, like statistically Chicago's not really that dangerous compared to other like small towns somewhere. Um, but for me, it's finding your, your comfortable slipper, your, your shoe, that you like to wear, become that, you know, just try to find where you fit in the best you can. Um, and for me, I, I I do like, there's parts of this I like out here, but I, I'm a city guy too, that I'll never not be a city guy. Just like my heart is always going to be Cleveland. Even though I've lived in Chicago longer than I lived in Cleveland. Um, I'm, I'm a Cleveland guy. I mean, that's just how I feel. i my heart's Cleveland, okay, and that'll never that'll never go away. Pretty much. Pretty much everything I've become uh, was because of Cleveland or Clevelanders, you know. And then I branched out, of course. But yeah, I just got that affinity for, for for my city, Cleveland, and then secondly, Chicago.
3: Yeah, I feel the same way about where I grew up. Yep, it's a real thing yeah gets into your blood it's it it uh you know it shapes you
1: yeah yeah it does good or bad good or bad it's life experiences that yeah shapes you exactly everything else as you get older um you know is maybe the finishing touches you know the the paint uh but cleveland in my case um yeah it 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 formulated me and uh you know, I, I've read or I've talked to people, too, that, that were Army brats, that, you know, their father was in the service, and they're always all over the place. They're a year here and then a year there. I felt bad for those people because they never got roots, okay? It, once you start to make friends as a kid, now you're taken away and, you know, that jazz. Um, I, I don't understand that. Just like I'm an only child, so I don't understand the brother-sister thing, okay? I don't have a conception for that, um, and I wasn't raised by my parents, so I don't have that conception of that mother-father yeah. element, right? So I, I have a hard time seeing that. I don't get that. Yeah. So like, so some of my life experiences, like when I talk to martial like artists in particular about the violence that I've been involved in, they don't understand. They can't get that because they've never been involved in it, and especially as a young child. So they're, they're never going to be as intense with it as I am, okay? It just never will happen. Um, so you get what I'm talking about because you have life experiences that, like Joe, Joe's never going to really get it like you do because you were raised like that, okay? You were out there exploring in in like an isolated area where, where you're, you know, you're not even on the mainland of the United States, in essence, you know, discovering shit yeah it's kind of interesting yeah hey ben I'm so not what's sure on I'm your start. agenda now joe to change the subject quickly like any travel or what or oh no i'm just wow
2: now yeah i gotta stay put and trying to get back in in the groove as far as training i've been kind of like i said back and forth the tracker school and then the california so i've really had this kind of summer off from um, i've been working out on my own but I need to get back into the gym and and get kind of back into the routine of things. So that's kind of my, I mean, also, so I finished the MT training this fall. So this fall I'm not going to be in any classes. I just have to take the national test for that. So I'm prepping for that. So that's a short term horizon. Um, And then uh, we'll see what that goes. So I'm just going to kind of spend the fall getting back into the gyms. I'm going to hit up Jason again. So if he's listening, I'll see him soon. Um, and then we'll get things going there so that's kind of on my short-term uh, list uh, of my plans and then we'll figure out where to go from there um, I did Ben so I don't know how much time you've got allocated how much time you? Uh, I'm to- good whatever okay cool because I kind of wanted to dig in I want to circle back a little bit if we can uh, into kind of and I don't know if this is something easy to articulate on like a podcast or a YouTube thing but I'm very curious about you're, you're let's talk I mean this is um, you know a martial arts focused podcast a lot of times we get off on other tangents which is cool because I, I think we have a lot of interesting people to talk to but I'd like to talk if we can kind of um, dig into your style and maybe kind of describe its history and like its influences so were there specific um, lineages of Kali and Salat that it comes from and I'm like Like, where do you see that they fuse? Is like Kali more the weapon system and Salat the empty hand? I know, obviously, Kali has empty hand components. Uh, You know, some would say it's, you know, just, you know, another expression of the art with or without the weapon. So just kind of like, yeah, kind of technically do kind of a deep dive on uh, how this system came about and and those things.
3: Yeah, so they are... um historically you know they have some deep connections i mean they're from similar southeast asia similar part of the world uh, i think one of the things that makes them that kind of stylizes them both both arts is um being island cultures so there's uh geographically you know this we're talking about island chains that have thousands of islands on them right with with people living in these places and so you have um uh, you have the need for, you know, the human need for protection and, and defense. And it ends up taking all of these different uh, varied expressions because you have different family systems and different little regional changes. So uh, both for Kali and, and Selah, they have like these super diverse, but very, in some ways, similar, some, some ways very different, but um, feel, you know, and uh, similarities. So. So there's a lot of systems and there's a lot of, um, well, seela just the, translates the word means fight. So that's, that's what it is. It's it doesn't, it doesn't say much in its title. So there's, there's different types of, uh, different types of Selah. Right. So in, in the art that I do or art, it's hard to even say art because it is this collection of all these different arts, you know? So, but it's been influenced by, um, right. The primary sources for Silat were through the uh, Datoires brothers, which is uh, the system of Sera. And it's um, primarily the system that I learned is called Bukti Bukti Nagara, which is a, it was taught by uh, Endecker Paul Datoires, the the oldest brother of this uh, Datoires family. So they were Dutch Indonesian uh, brothers that, Um, I, apparently they're pretty crazy. I actually haven't had, didn't get the chance to meet them. They were older at the time. Well, they were even older, I think, when my teacher was training with them and they passed. Actually, I think, uh, one of the youngest brothers still around. I'm actually not sure how many are, are still with us, but, um, no, I think it is just, uh, Uncle Bill, they call him. So anyway, so these, these, uh, Sila arts, you know, they have a, they have a history going back to supposedly, now this is coming through Guru Dan and Asano, who also teaches Silat and has also been a, uh, one of, uh, Guru Ken's primary teachers, my teacher's primary teacher. So, um, according to his research on the, the lineage, it goes back to Alexander the Great. So quite a while ago, um, Greek, Greek times, similar to the, the wrestling era, right? Um, and this the the story goes anyway that um it was uh Alexander the Great's i hope i get this right Alexander the Great's uh nephew was going on a uh on a travel and Alexander supposedly gave him five of his best bodyguards that were of um these different systems like one was chinese one was from um I think Indonesia, and you know, they're from all these different systems. And as these guys were sharing and traveling and whatnot, the, the fusion of that what emerged was supposedly the roots of Lot. So that's the the mythological version. So, huh. um, so the, you know, if you just if you look into Lot, there's there's just hundreds of systems. There's there's all these different family systems. So anyway, the the two primary ones are um sarah and um Uktinigara. and then uh the other one is um uh was taught by herman sawanda and um oh, shoot.
2: Uh, can i interject we had a guy yeah that yeah did is that are you familiar yeah. with yeah Kuntau Kuntau
3: yeah 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 so that was uh bill de Tours.
2: that's one of oh, that's okay. the
3: youngest brother who i think is still alive
1: are yeah. you familiar with pukulan Mindi? I'm familiar with the term pukulan. Okay, I'm not sure so about the it. system. It's a Indonesian fighting system. I've had some exposure to it.
3: Yeah, yeah. So pukulan I believe, just means to hit. Um, it's a striking, striking emphasis, I think. Um, so, um, what else do I want to say? So anyway, that's that's kind of the. The sealot side, and um, the yeah, there's there's numerous systems. So influenced in our art, there's uh, Harimau, which is a ground ground fighting system, which basically means tiger Harimau. Um, there's uh, um, shimandi which is the bone conditioning system, and also an art unto itself. There's I mean there's just there's just tons of these tons of these arts. Uh, Tick along, which is a, uh, I'm not sure it's actual emphasis, but it's a, it's a takedown art. So Silat is, is a fascinating art. I don't know. Have you, have you experienced some of the uh, geometry of, of uh nagara Either of you?
1: Well, I've dealt with Silat quite have a you? lot because I used to yeah. teach Silat guys and I used to, I used to work at a JKD school. So oh. I've had exposure to Silat. Yes. Penchock salat Pinchu Salat, yeah, 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 and then another uh, another uh, salat system that uh, one of those family things, you know uh, it was a salat system that other salat people never heard of, but I can't yeah. I can't think of what it's called now.
3: Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean I, I really appreciate the subtlety of the movement, like it's it it's just feels like you know when it's done well, it feels like you can't tell what's happening and you're just being compacted and broken (laughs) you know there's something something in pretty severe about it um so by analogy here's a good way to kind of explain the two arts that i like to use is uh so if you imagine a scenario of a river and uh, a giant boulder in the middle of the river right so water is rushing by big rock um Sila would be, its kind of philosophy, its approach of, you know, entering to the center would be the boulder. That's its, it's very earth, very, you know, that's its kind of um, approach. Kali would be the water, you know, uh, as it approaches the boulder, cutting around it, right. In the evasive lines. So that's how, I mean, when you have, and that's not, you know, that's a probably a a huge oversimplification but it gives you a little bit of the idea of the the spirit behind it and when you fuse them together you you have this fusion of do you need to be the water or do you need to be the the boulder the rock and so so kali does have a lot of um it is edge or weapons focused but primarily blade focused so a lot of the the motion groupings and and the mindset behind it is oriented around blades and so it really influences even the empty hand uh, approach because you know when you start training in it you're given a a, you know weapons right away sticks you know generally simulating a machete or or just a hardwood stick you know weapon but it's you're learning to extend yourself into that tool like right away and so you're learning things about ranges right away you know and then um when you as you're doing empty hand stuff as well your your motion groupings are are they're informing each other so your your empty hand material and your your weapon material you know it <laughs> it's the same but different so you you're actually doing the same motions but the fulfilling slightly different purpose because you know you don't have a knife in your hand but you're still in, still doing um a motion that you would train if you're you if you had a blade in your hand, if that makes sense. So um in that way it's kind of a simple way to train. It's it's very it's it's um built kind of redundantly, not boringly, but like very surgical because of the knife. You know, the blades don't require a lot of power, so you you have to just, you know, there's a lot of uh sensitivity, a lot of a lot of very um closed spaces. And then um, when it does go to empty hand, you still have that kind of uh i don't know what do you want to say like very uh tight space awareness it still translates so it, it there's also a lot of uh i think
0: similar
3: similar to, to grappling you get into a real nice flow state with it too because there are dynamic partner you know you're getting real feedback in real time you're not just doing static you know imaginary um drills in the air so you do have the sense of real feedback and real real connection um it's hard to safely pressure test some of it i think you know to get any real i mean we use training weapons obviously but and you can use gear and stuff but then you're also not getting the feedback either because you have gear on so you know you do things that you wouldn't normally do
1: (laughs) um yeah i agree it it makes a world of difference um when you when you don't have gear on yeah you know, uh, and you're going really truly live um because yeah i've seen guys, well like i said when i was at the, the jkd thing i've trained a lot of jkd guys through the years cuz you know they're open minded they want to learn different stuff but you know i've seen them with the battle gear on you know with the sticks and they're yeah, yeah. doing all that and you know they're uh and it it just becomes really, I mean, I'm not saying it's not beneficial whatsoever. Of course it is, but it becomes more of a physical workout because um, most of those shots, if you didn't have the helmet on you, it's over. Okay. Um, sometimes these guys are getting crowned, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's bad. Uh, but yeah, I get it, you know, but, and, but conversely too, on the other side, like I've seen them spar with magic markers and you know things. Oh, they're they're you know. Oh, I got you. There's a nick. That's going to be nothing. Okay, it, it's it's not going to matter in a street fight because the guy's going to blow through it. You know. So there 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 has to be, you know, some realism to it. You know, you got to. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general, people have got to either know that this is um totally simulated. Or say, we need to take it to a different level. I'm willing to do it. Let's go. Um, And that's what I did when I was younger. Just put duct tape on a real blade. Okay? And I've gotten stuck and poked and all of that. um, But I I had to do it. There was just no other way. I couldn't use the fake blades. Or back then in Cleveland, we didn't even know about that. But, you know, guys would play around with uh, rulers or uh, magic markers. I can't do this we got to go real here. If we get hurt, we get hurt. You know, you're young, you don't care. But, you know, cause I've been, I've been stuck many times in real life in street scenarios. So practicing with the, the way they wanted to work it. I said, this isn't, I'm not going to do it. It's a waste of time. Let's go for real or, or go home. That's just how I had to do it. But again, it's because of my background of actually being attacked like that. So, um, and I just hope nobody has to go through it because it sucks. But, uh, yeah, it's just my my thing. I, but, I, you know, again, I, I know a lot of guys just aren't into the self-defense aspect of it. They do it for a workout. They do it for camaraderie. They do it for philosophical reasons, and that's great, too. You know, um, like if I go to the gym now, I'm not looking to be, you know, a competitor anymore, lifting, you know, powerlifting. I just want to. Get a nice workout in, you know, and that's how some people are. They just want to get the workout in. That's fine. What are your thoughts, Joe?
2: Well, I mean, it is a, yeah, when it comes to weapons training, it's always a, it'll never be a perfect thing. You, like you said, you can't go completely yeah. live because these are death dealing weapons, you know, <laughs> and you run out of training partners really quickly. And I know like there's groups like the dog brothers where they try and minimize stuff. Um, but even that they only do very rarely because you can't just take that kind of punishment regularly, um, you know, and uh, you know, even going, you know, I don't know, MMA full contact a lot. I mean, eventually, you know, especially as we're all older gentlemen here, you, you want to retain those brain cells, you know, <laughs> those hits to those heads add up, you know. And so you've got to balance your health between what you're learning and keeping it real. And it's 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 the hardest with when it comes to weapons. Um, yeah, and you've got to just kind of, I think it's kind of, I think that's always the struggle is that, you know, you're, it's never going to be a completely realistic and you've got to be honest and keep, I think just be objective about what you're doing and try, you know, that's where the instructor comes in and tries to keep people right. real about what they're doing, you know, because it can veer off. I mean, just so often in martial arts and you know, they always have those goofy videos on YouTube where it just becomes artificial to the point of ridiculousness, but it, it happens gradually. I think where you know, they're just kind of cooperating. And eventually, it just becomes something that's just totally artificial. And, and it's just kind of, I think your training partners and your coaches, you all have to kind of keep each other honest and real about it. And that's not always the easiest thing to do. Um, just as a side note, one of the as far as blades, and then I'll, I'll kind of return the floor, but I thought it was very interesting. Um, we had a previous guest on here, a friend of mine, Hal, who turned me on to a book. Uh, it's a very weird old book, uh, like from the 70s called P- Prison's Bloody Iron. But it was about these kids who were like in juvie hall and the way they entertained it themselves when they were locked up, you know, just kind of like left them their own devices is that they would use a, uh, like the, uh, the toenail clippers or the, and they would have little sharp edges on things and they would fight like that. And that's kind of how this book kind of describes the fighting style that evolved from that but it was kind of, uh, they would get these, uh, they could never stick each other, you know, like they could never really do any damage, but it was painful scratches across the chest, or, you know, they'd go like with shirtless, and so it had a, you had some, literally, you had skin in the game, um, you know, and so they, a lot of moves, and, and it was very interesting, and it really, kind Of informed the way I would look at knife fighting, too. About you know, you don't want to overextend your arms, you don't want to be out there like a fencer when you don't have right. hand protection and arm protection because that's what's going to get cut up. And uh, so even though it's just these kids kind of messing around through trial and error, they kind of event uh, kind of develop a very interesting thing. But it kind of goes to your point about like you know, talking about putting duct tape over a blade or something. I mean, it, it, it's just people come up with different solutions, and and uh, going back to my My older coach, uh, Hal, he said like when he kind of broached the idea of doing this, like you know, fingernail, just this very small blade that you know, just scratch kind of thing. They just hold it in there. No one wanted to do it with them, you know, because people didn't want to go that far with it. You know, well, I
1: can tell you from my experience in life, there's no such thing as knife fighting. I mean, in that, in you generally never see the knife coming. Okay, it's a guy that if he knows what he's doing and he's out to hurt you, he's not going to telegraph it. And naturally, you know, I'm not going to – most people aren't going to pull out a knife and say, let's go. It's just one guy that's just going to stick you, and you probably won't even see it coming. And you may not even feel it in the beginning, but you will when you, when your heart – when your adrenaline starts going, you start to bleed out. Um, that, that's what I worry about. Or the guy that just goes nuts. He's got that knife, and he's he's coming at you full blast. Um, so, you know, you that's when your life is – there now. It's life or death. Um, and, you know, you've, you've got to prepare for that. You know, uh, you know, a guy Ben's size or a guy my, my size, if we come at you full blast with a knife, you're not going to get that knife out of, you're not going to get away, okay? You're not going to do a wrist lock. You're not going to do anything like that. It's going to disarm us. Probably not going to happen unless we drop it on accident. You've got to learn to deal with that.
2: Um, to your point though i think yeah not a, not enough guys who train fighting and it actually goes back to our crowd friends i mean because at least they're doing that i think i don't know exactly what they do but i know at least they try and broach that uh, well a to a degree lost... even
1: there they have to tone it down they're saying sure you know, sure they...
2: absolutely i mean you can never go 100 percent, but i just i think so many of us like you know we train in grappling or boxing or whatever and these things have very, very important functions but how often have we actually Drilled like that because that's an intimidating idea, even in a drilling environment. Someone coming at you with a, a training blade who's just going to sewing machines try and stab you. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, a lot of techniques going to go out the window, I think, in, in that kind of pressure testing thing. The and, prisons, uh, I
1: say, are loaded with people that have knifed people to death or knifed them seriously. These prisoners that are in there, they're not master knife fighters, okay? These aren't <laughs> the kings of, of, of blades here. These are just, for the most part, untrained guys. It's that 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 knife or gun, whatever, is is a dangerous weapon, and you know you've got to be prepared to lose your life in any encounter, uh, as you know as being the good guy. I've said this a thousand times. You you have to be prepared to know if I get into it with somebody, I could die, and 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 then therefore, every technique you do, you have to know. Um, It's either going to lead you to safety or it could cost you your life. Therefore, you don't have time to mess around. Um, And and in the heat of battle, or if you're not feeling 100%, you cannot try a move that you don't have mastered man, you've got to have some some stuff down. And that's your fundamentals, how to move how to keep your hands up angles, just to at least ward off uh, stuff. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just saying it from personal experience, not only physically to me, but also shit that I've witnessed. Um yeah, you've got to really have uh you have to be impenetrable and and uh, just don't let this person get the drop on you. And that's the thing. A, a guy who wants to kill you, I mean, who's setting out to kill you, you may, you they already have an advantage. You you may not know they want they want you dead. I mean, Joe, I'm sh- I'm sure most people you meet you figure that they want you dead. But um <laughs> the rest of us don't know that, all right? Um but yeah, you have to just assume this guy this guy wants to kill you. You don't know that. So who's got the advantage there? So if he's smart about it, you're never going to know. Right? You know, it's just it's just going to happen. So man, that's just a scary thought, right? I mean, think about it.
3: Yeah. Uh, that brings it back to it seems the the meta skill is awareness you know the yeah. it's like don't be don't be there <laughs> you know I've well had, there you I've go i had really good luck with that
0: one
1: <laughs> well i mean look at kennedy jfk i mean the president of the united states got whacked okay uh nobody you me there's nobody that ever lived could have defended you can't defend against a sniper bill, a bullet you know and we have so many of these mass shootings now um and I'm sure there's going to be some martial art assholes that are going to try to capitalize on this. Like, Oh, I got a way to defend against bullets. No, you don't. Um, These are scenarios that like you just said, you try not to be there. Well, you know, in these cases, yeah, that would have been the greatest thing, but you're there and there just may be nothing you can do about it. You know, I I don't know. We're not in those scenarios. You know, um, we weren't at Columbine. We, we weren't at Uvalde. So we don't know, but there are times when there are just, you just don't have a chance. Uh, I've been there, you know, where, like when I got shot, I had no chance. I I was, uh, I don't know, 15 feet away. And I saw, I had just a split second at 15 feet away. I looked up and there it was, and boom, you know, um, that's how quick it happens. No defense. Yeah. So, you know how that goes. You know, that's that's just how it happens so many times in, in real life. And I, I think people get conditioned by the movies, um, or what they read. Um there that, they, oh yeah, I can survive this or that. Yeah, maybe, but there there's really there are chances that you just won't. And I tell my friend, Scott, who's been on this show, um, you know things have been tense out here lately for everybody, it seems. And, you know, he's I'm like Scott, you can't be mouthing off to these people in cars, these uh, on the highway because a road rage, you don't know. And he's in no shape. He's, he's, he's got bad health. He's in no condition to defend himself against anything. So, you know, you got to avoid it, you know, just, just blow it off. Um,
2: well, yeah. Being smart and not looking for trouble. And like you said, yeah, I mean, it's to your point, I mean, there are certain things you cannot defend of, against, and the only way you can defend of it is to prevent it or be aware it's going to be happening and trying. And, and that's just something we all have to work on constantly, because awareness is never 100% perfect. So you've got to keep working on keeping that. I mean, that's something I think that I, that's, I'm i very lacking, and I'm very introverted. I'm very in my head, and now I have a cell phone. So I, I, I think, you know, training with you and training at trucker school, I'm constantly trying to remind myself to vary my vision, go into wide angle vision and be out, be outside and pay attention. Who's behind me? You know, I mean, if I, if you're going to have a chance in those scenarios, that's going to be it, you know, to see trouble before it's, before it happens. So. Um, well,
1: you're at an ava- disadvantage because you're generally a very positive guy. Okay. You always look on the bright side. Whereas I always look on the absolute worst side. Okay. So You know, even in things that aren't like, you know, us, when you and I talk about just not even fighting things, you know, oh, you always take the bright side. And I'm like, no, Joe, the bright side rarely happens. It's a lot of bullshit all the time. So um, that's the one thing I wish you would work on is just go go one day, just try it one day, expecting everything to be the worst it could possibly be, right? And just look at it from that perspective, because one of these days, it's going to really be like that. It's going to be a bad day, and and you can't, you're not going to be able to put a positive spin on it. You know, it's just, it's just going to go downhill. So you got to you you say got to be you should.
2: Suspicious. You see me as a as this big optimist, but you should have my therapist on the show, and they'd they'd say otherwise. But
1: well, yeah, that'll be a four part episode, I'm sure. Your therapist, yeah, that would be. Um, it's
2: but really no, the I, meds I, It's the meds talking, Tony. <laughs>
1: Well, speaking of that, I actually had my friend Scott. I gave him a I, years when I was living out here. I was studying psychology. I I used to mention this on when I would do my um, shows, and uh, and I quit when I was going through my divorce. And uh,
2: anyway, Scott's going that's through a crash course, problems. yeah.
1: No, I mean it's still ongoing. I still get emails, but I just I don't. Um, but anyway, I I told Scott you need to reach out to this guy. He's a psychologist and, Scott's been seeing him now for three weeks, which is, uh, really good. I'll, I'll give a plug to the guy. His name is Dr. Tim Hayes. He's in, um, Crystal Lake out here. Uh, I I actually appeared at, well, not appeared, but I was on his radio show years ago. Um, yeah, he's a good, good guy. Uh, very, um, you know, he's a doctor. He started off as a, uh, not a corrections officer, like a, no, not a parole officer. What do you call that when you're, uh... I I can't think of the term, but you know, my memory doesn't work too well. Like when you help people, um, like a social like worker, a, sort of something like that. Yeah. And then he delved into the, uh, he went to school, med school and, you know, but, but yeah, you know, that, that's a lot of people too, do need to talk to, to, to a therapist, not just anyone though, somebody who's, you know, experienced. If you have hangups or phobias, um, because violence happens normally close to home or actually in the house, that's where most of the violence in the, in the country actually happens, you know, um, with a spouse or a family member or something, believe it or not. Um, but even outside of that, things tend to happen around where you live and violence is happening everywhere. So. you can't just bury your head in the sand you were mentioning joe about six months ago on the show a friend of yours got assaulted somebody from the yeah
2: yeah when we're talking about the road rage yeah yeah. and and, um yeah and I, i thought a lot about how i train and how i need to incorporate it but yeah he just got exactly kind of the very much like what scott's uh flirting with you know or like a tempting disaster there but you get into some altercation on the road and you don't know who's out there or what's what's going on with them you know they they may have just been you might have just gotten the wrong person who's been looking for someone to hurt and he and this guy was not an athlete or a fighter by any stretch of the imagination he's an older guy and uh you know i don't remember exactly what transpired but it was just something kind of petty and someone threw like a cup of coffee at his car and he was upset enough that he pulled over. What was a mistake because, you know, instead of letting it go or like we talked about, okay, now it's time to drive to the police station, you know, not try and handle this, know your limitations. And even if, like I say, you know, all of us on this podcast here have had some level of training. Doesn't mean the guy isn't packing, you know, Uh, you know, this is the United States and you've got to kind of make some assumptions there for your own safety. And, and, uh, but yeah, guy kind of came up and was armed and, kind of clubbed him severely with something. He was badly damaged by it and he's lucky to be alive. Um the guy could have killed him. And Did they catch it, the guy? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so because I don't think he um when I you know we didn't want to push the guy too much. He was he was one of the instructors in our EMT class. Um but I won't go further but you know it didn't seem like he got much information. You know, like this went down kind of quickly. He was assaulted, lost consciousness, you know, was ended up in the ER um and you know and you could see it was kind of a very brutal attack and it was just it was like i said to me it's one of those uh tragic reminders of how quickly things can escalate into a life threatening situation and like you said if someone's coming at you with a weapon you know it, it's not uh it's not like the fight in uh i don't know uh rebel without a cause you know where they're throwing the knife back and forth it's just, it's just it's, you know it's
1: i think that's west side story but
2: no, that's some dancing, too. Yeah, if the dancing's involved, it's West Side Story. But
1: um, well, Rita Moreno, I wouldn't mind having been involved with her. She was always an attractive lady.
2: Yeah, I, I, she gets my endorsement as well. So, um, But anyways, yes. So I was thinking very much of that when you said Scott. Because um, yeah, uh, people, like I said, this guy did not use an older man. Uh, you know, so this was not some kind of someone who was looking to pick a fight with someone who was big and tough. They were looking for a victim, to vent their anger on someone who, you know, is, and they found them and it was, it was really, really unfortunate. I'm setting It's to my knowledge. Yeah. I don't know if there was any uh, legal justice with that. So um, yeah, just a, a word of warning to anybody out there, especially on the road. then uh, you know, these, are, these can be tough times for people. We're going through some financial stuff, which makes it escalate things even more people are having bad times and they're they're carrying a lot of bad, angry energy with them. And you don't know if you're going to be the person to break the camel's back. So I mean, obviously, you got to do what you got to do to defend your family and protect things, but don't be dumb and provoke something because you don't know what's on the other end. So,
1: well, I'd like to get Ben out here. If you're ever in Chicagoland or just come out, just come and visit. You know, um, awesome. I can put you up, or, you know, you don't want to stay with Joe because just trust me, you don't. (laughs) Um, He's, but he was, he's a natural for this tracking stuff because I've heard from people like forever, Joe was a stalker okay with women <laughs> so he's got the advantage already of being able to go after animals i i just that he's he looks it looks are deceiving with this guy but <laughs> it would be great to have you out for real and we could hang out talk more and exchange ideas and that would be techni- awesome neat yeah, yes swap, uh, swap techniques and shit
3: real privilege um, yeah i uh i'm very uh i looked into your stuff a little bit tony and um I've I've had a little bit of familiarity with Catch, and I'm very I'm I'm uh, inspired and want to. Uh, you might get a new student, so hey, that would be, <laughs> awesome. That'd
1: be That would be awesome. That would be that would be great. Yeah, you know, but I I I want to pick your brain because I respect your knowledge, and um, you know, that's again, it's part of growth. You know, you know, and I'm going to hopefully grow until I die, and you as well, and Joe, and everybody listening. You're never. You got to keep learning or, or, you know, whatever it is, whatever term you want to use. Um, But your philosophy that you were talking about earlier today, we're on the same page. Uh As a matter of fact, I've learned, I've used your terms on here, on this show, I've said for, before, you got to learn how to learn. Yeah. And and that's the big, and, and, you know, to make it like really quick here, because I know we're running out of time, but like from a look, we'll use catch wrestling as an example, from a marketing standpoint, you might have a guy say, "I know a thousand holds." Okay, well you don't. But what I try to teach people is, if I show you top wrist lock, if I show you double wrist lock, if I show you front face lock, if I show you stopper toe hold or something, that that might might sound like four different moves. It's the same move. All the body mechanics are the same. And you, if you if you learn how to learn, you'll see the similarities instantly. Uh, yeah. Just like music, you have what's called an anharmonic equivalent, a C sixth chord. Well, an A minor 7th, is the same chord, it, just the root of the bass is different. So there's shortcuts. But I hate to use that term shortcuts because it sounds like you're cheating. Right. But but you hit it on it. Learn how to learn. If you know how to learn, you, you instinctively know to look for patterns in whatever the thing is that you're learning. Because everything in the world is pretty much math-based. You'll figure out the patterns. And then all of a sudden, man, you're like, you're you're making leaps and bounds progress, um, yep. but yeah, please keep in touch or keep in touch with Joe. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, and we'd love to have you out. And now, Joe and I live about an hour apart, so it doesn't matter. Um, cool. You can hang you can hang out with both of us. You, you, uh, Joe's closer to the city, where I'm closer to where what you would like more nature. There's actually a place not that far from here where you can go hiking, um, uh, Glacial Park. It'd be cool, but you know, yeah, it'd be nice to nice to have you because, um, yeah, just good. It's always great to meet nice people. Yeah, you know, and I like when Joe travels. No, it's just you know, because I'm a people person, and like when Joe travels, you know, I love it when he's just not here. You know, and (laughs) and when he comes back, no, I get sad. no
2: words hurt, (laughs) Tommy.
1: Well, no, I'm you up. Know, this is, remember, don't put a positive spin on this. You got to start thinking I'm coming with the nasties. All right. Well, listen, we're going to have to wrap it up. My goodness. Cause we've been on uh, almost two hours. This is a long, okay. this has been great. We have to have you no matter what coming out or not coming out. We have to have you back on the show. Uh, Anytime. And, Appreciate and, the opportunity. And, and let's make the next show all about strategies on fighting street fighting. Cool. Um, But Joe, uh, I really don't have much parting thoughts because I have nothing coming up until the seminar. So we can talk about that later. But
2: I was gonna say, is... let's have uh, Ben plug his, plug your yeah. school, plug the upcoming um, workshop. So everybody just as a reminder, we talked about cool. it again, but yeah, kind of sure. lay it on so, us. So
3: thank you for that. Tribal um, tribaledge.life is my website. That's kind of the general umbrella school for everything. And then inside of that uh, part of that, our dojo is called Hero Lab, and it's just, um, that's where we do the, uh, awareness, movement, martial art, tactics, uh, ethical training stuff. And, uh, the program coming up is the Protector Course. Um, it's from the fourth to the 10th. It's a week long. Food is included, and, uh, you can find information for that on our website, Life. So great to, uh, we love working with.
1: The, put that into the, the, the on, on the YouTube channel.
2: Yeah. The links will be below yeah. for whoever. Yeah. Awesome.
3: Well, thank you. Thank you guys for sharing that. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Oh no.
1: Yeah. Anything we can do to help? No, please, you know, feel free, but yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having, uh, for
2: being here and hope we hope to see you right on. Yeah. All no. Right, yeah. Take care. Thanks for making the take time. Care. It a great it's conversation.
3: It. Yeah. Right. Thank so, you, Joe. Thanks for reaching out.
2: No problem. All right. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Bum, uh, bum, 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 bum.